talking about having a church like that. But uh, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, John, when you read the book of Acts, and you see how they had church, and that's supposed to be our blueprint, you, you can't help but to look at it and say, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want our, our, our church family to be like that. And, and, it's, uh, and when you look at it like that, it gets exciting. Um, uh, here's a, a few characteristics of a church in the New Testament. Number one is uh, there were miracles taking place. The believers, you guys, in Mark chapter 16, verses 16, 17, and 18, it talks about how the believers, those who believe, signs follow them. That you pray for people and things happen. Wouldn't that be nice if it was you praying for them and things happen? That would be awesome. Now, last Sunday night, uh, all of our prayer partners that were here, there was a, about, I don't know, there's this whole area was full and then oh, this whole area was full. I was like, my goodness, we got a lot of prayer partners. And, um, and they just prayed for people who were sick. And over a hundred, maybe I, I think, I, does anyone know what the final number was? Over a hundred people were healed just from our prayer partners and from Randy Clark just praying out loud. Um, and it's phenomenal when our prayer partners are taking the hands of people and they're praying for them and they're getting healed. Uh, during the second service, somebody came up to me. It was after service. The prayer partners were already standing there. And this guy came down with, uh, it was either his mom or, or somebody, and says, my, my, my mom needs prayer for healing. And uh, I said, well, great. There's some prayer partners right there. I think he wanted me to pray for him, but I was like, there's some prayer partners right here. He goes, well, which one would you recommend? I was like, trust me, they're all on fire. Just pick one. And I'm like, just, they're all good. You know, they're, you know, it's like all of them are the mailman. The power comes from God and it's just going to come right through. Don't worry about it. And you know what's so interesting is when I talk to people who don't believe in healing, it's funny how all of a sudden they believe in healing whenever they're the ones who need a healing. Right? It's like, I don't believe that stuff. Okay, watch, you need a healing. All of a sudden you'll be showing up saying, I think I might, I'd like to give it a shot. Um, but we want to have a church like that. Uh, number two is when you read um, the Gospels, the church was growing. There were thousands of people following Jesus all of the time. And what's interesting is not all of those people following Jesus were believers. There were a lot of people that were following Jesus that didn't even believe. They weren't even believers. Watch, let me read this scripture to you. This is in um, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 16. It says, disreputable sinners, and in parentheses it says, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. These are people who were not even believers, but they were so attracted to what Jesus were doing, was doing, they would just show up. Now, I've been in churches before where I would never bring a friend to church, because there's like Mrs. This Person and Mr. That Person. They're so weird, they would embarrass me if I brought a friend. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, that's not, that wasn't happening. Because unsaved people don't want to be around weird stuff. They just don't want to be around it. I remember bringing a friend when I was 16. I brought him to church, and I was like, I'll never bring a friend again. It was, I was embarrassed. And he was like, what is going on? What, 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 what. You know, here's the thing. When Jesus operated, people were getting healed. There were miracles happened. The believers were praying for people. There were, there were miracles happening. And people who were not even saved were so interested. They were so attracted that they came from the surrounding regions. Read the book of Mark. Surrounding regions. They'd walk for miles just to be there to see what would happen. We go, well, that was Jesus. No, they did it with John the Baptist too. There's a guy named Herod. And he said these exact words. You almost convinced me. He never did become a believer. But the atmosphere was so attractive that he came anyway. 
when you read the Gospels and you back up and you say, I want to have a church like that. I want to have a church where it's not just the pastor praying for people and getting healed. There's uh, the believers are praying for each other. The unsaved are coming. And then here's the third thing. When you read the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that they met at the temple, which was church. And then they met in home to home. Those are what we call life groups. So when you back up and go, you know, church, I've been to church before. It's, It's not interesting. I'll give that to you. What we have made church into is not interesting. But when you think about it and you say, wait a minute here. The sanctuary of the Lord is where the presence dwells. There should be, you should show up to church with some kind of expectation, like, I wonder what's going to happen this time. Right? That's the way church should be. And, and you know, for the last three or four months, um, I tried to count them, but I've lost count due to last weekend. Um, we were up to like 44 people that have gotten healed in our church, and then all of a sudden last weekend came and it knocked that number to like 190 to, together, absolutely, and, um, and and not everybody who got prayed for was healed, just so you know, not everybody was, but 190 in the last three months, which is crazy, um, and so there's something special happening here, but we have to stay laser focused on doing two things, crying out in prayer, Number one. And number two, to look around and say, Jesus, if you were here, what would you do? And Jesus would help the widows and he'd help the orphans. And, and I haven't found anyone doing that better than Elijah Rising. They're based out of Houston. And you're going to find out about them right now. Um, the director of the ministry, Micah Gamboa. Why don't you come on up here and... Um, Thank you. Thank you. So the people that are standing up uh, know the backstory. Yeah. Um, Clearly, she was here in November. Uh, there's a lot of people here that this is their first time uh, here. Catch them up on what happened the last time you were here and what you remember about it. Okay, so <laughs> I don't remember anything. Um, I think that was merciful of the Lord, but um, you guys are so gracious to have us here. And so I came up on stage, and before I really got to say anything, I went into cardiac arrest, and so it means that your heart just stops working. Um, obviously, stop breathing, all the functions of the body stop, and you essentially die flatlined on stage. And so, obviously, I mean, people are freaking out, and my poor husband was watching this happen. Um, but God orchestrated everything so not only were we in this in a public place we were in a church that believes in prayer and knows about the the supernatural and so he also had a couple people in the audience who had just been trained in CPR knew about it like medical doctor came up um, did CPR on me until EMS arrived but um, when you look at the studies you only have 10 minutes from cardiac arrest to defibrillator your heart starting again before there's real lasting damage and so we long story short we got into the hospital and all the doctors were preparing my husband like she could be a vegetable when she comes out of this coma she is definitely going to have brain damage it's going to be lasting so just prepare yourself um well I came out of the coma early and much to their chagrin and they were doing tests on me and everything and they're like she's completely fine so I walked out of there a week later so can you believe that (laughs) Yes, Jesus. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, full arrest is when three things, uh, critical things, stop operating and stop working. First, it's your brain. Well, it's not necessarily in this order, but it's your brain, your breathing, and your heart. And when you're in full arrest, all three um, stop. And she was in full arrest. And um, by the time she left, she had a heart rate of 150. Now, um, that's a miracle. 150, just so you know, I like to, to run half marathons. And by the time I've ran a half, a, uh, a half mile, my heart rate on my watch is at 150. So by the time I run a half mile, my heart rate is at 150. So that means that she went from flatline, completely dead, to having a very strong heart rate by the time she left here. 
and then she was alive when she got to the hospital, which that's a miracle. And now she's here today. So, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So back to the reason why we brought you here in the first place. Yes, thank you for having me back. Um, tell everybody, what is uh, Elijah Rising's primary focus is, is stopping sex trafficking. What is sex trafficking and how does somebody get trapped into it? Um, sex trafficking, simplest layman's terms, is just an exploitation of someone else's vulnerabilities. Um, it's where one person takes over, forces, defrauds, or coerces, manipulates another person into the sex industry. So that can look a lot of ways, like pornography, stripping, um, obviously selling your body for sex, but the other person is profiting. And so 98% um, of the people in the sex trade are women and children. Um, and so it, and it's happening kind of all around us. There's a number of stories we could tell you, but um, I'll just share one just to kind of clarify how this happens and how easy it is. Um, there was a, a girl. She was in college. I'm going to like a top-tier school, so Ivy League school. Um, she had a boyfriend, so all-American girl, right? Um, so anyways, she finds, somebody comes up to her, and it's like a modeling agency. So they want to hire her, help her pay for her bills, whatever. Um, so she's a little skeptical, and her boyfriend is too. They both go to this modeling agency several weeks in a row. Um, but before she's hired, they have her fill out all the important documents. You know, your W-9, your, all the taxes, your social security number. So they have all of her information. Um, and it's a real studio and all this stuff. And so her boyfriend comes with her the first few times to make sure it's all legit. First few times go normal. Headshots, the whole nine yards. Well, finally, her boyfriend stops coming. When she comes into the studio one day, they force her to do pornography. They force her to do um, violent pornography. Um, and they say, if you don't continue um, doing this, then we know where your parents are, we know your, where your family is, and we will kill your family. So she's now in this cycle making pornography, but what people don't realize when they're viewing it is that she's actually trapped there as a, essentially a sex slave. And that's just one of the ways that people get stuck. You know what's so crazy? We've had three services this morning. This is the third service. Each time she came up with a new story. And, and I have a feeling if we were to sit here till 5 o'clock, you'd come <laughs> up to a story after story after story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how prevalent is this issue in our area, the greater Houston area? So, um, let me, I'm going to actually ask you a question. Flipping the table. <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> um, just yeah. to clarify, you know, open up uh, the dialogue. Um, so, there are two Cantina brothel. This is Latin American brothel raids in Houston, and they were the largest in the nation, both of them. Um, so let me ask you, what, how many women do you think were extracted or rescued from each one of them in your wildest guess? If I had to guess, um, I'd probably pick somewhere between 7 and 11. Yeah, that's a great guess. And that's a pretty average number of the women who are in the brothels. These two, just two operations. Was that right? One had 84 and one had 120. So... Wow. And when I say that, so that's in the Latin American kind of way that they, it's very racially segregated. Don't ask me why. Latin American women are sold in bars. Asian women are sold in illicit massage parlors, of which there are over 300 in the greater Houston area that we have verified. There's more that we just haven't done the research to verify. And then there's also online. So you can, pimps will post, take pictures of their women, post them online, um, young, fresh, new girl, whatever, and then buyers go online, they search for what, dark skin, young, whatever they want, and they order these girls, and then they meet them in hotels or apartments. And that doesn't even include what's happening in the dark web or in families. So it, it's, it's expansive. Um, yeah, so I hope that helps. <laughs> Every time she says something, I feel like I need to just breathe and digest what she just said. Um, before I go to the next question, but you know we got to keep it moving. How many of you are shocked so far? Just raise your hand. Just blown away. Um, would you put that map on the on the wall for us, um, Micah? Tell us what we're looking at here. Sure. These are the verified locations. Um, these are the These are retail places. 
So you and I can just walk in them. Children can walk in them. Buyers obviously walk in them. Um, there was a study that was done not too long ago of just the, just like the inner loop, like the inside Beltway 8, the city limits. Um, and they extrapolated the data and they found that about 2,800 men a day purchase sex from just those brothels in the inner city. 2,800 a day? Yes. 2,800 men a day walk into those brothels. Mm-hmm. And these are the only ones that you guys have identified. Yeah, these are so just the retail places. That. That's right. Just the retail places. This was an county. How do you online. define a retail place? So these are the the spas that look a little shady that you drive by and you're like, why are they open at 11 p.m.? Like, who's getting a foot right. massage at? You know, those kind of places. That's these. There's primarily Asian women in those locations that have been brought over from overseas. Um, but we have a whole very robust sex trade that happens in the strip clubs, on the street, online, in hotels of our, you know, domestic women as well. And then additionally, Latin American women are sold in bars. And the reason they're not on the map is simply because they don't have an online presence. And so you have to drive down the street, word of mouth, to find the Latin American women. Wow. Give me the Starbucks uh, statistic. Right. So these, we have more brothel locations than there are Starbucks in the whole city. There's at least 300. We know of probably 500. Um, Not amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely astronomical because there has to be a demand, right, for this kind of activity to happen. And so what kind of culture, what kind of culture is birthing a generation of men who buy and use and consume women. And I'm telling you, the men who go to these places are trapped in the same cycles of addiction. I mean, that the Lord can break those, pa- that, those patterns, right? We've seen that. Um, but they are not marginalized men. They, uh, they have good educations. They have good jobs, good incomes. They usually have a family. And they're not marginalized men, unlike the women that they are using and abusing continually. Wow. Tell us about um, the reason. Tell us what it is and tell me the reason why you have it. Kendleton Farms. Yeah. So Kendleton Farms is the aftercare side. The, the, the abuses and the trauma um, that happens to every single woman in prostitution is astronomical. And I won't go into all of it. But suffice it to say that every single woman has anxiety, depression, PTSD levels that are through the roof. Um, And so they need a place to stay. So not only do we provide at Kendleton Farms safe housing, um, this might be the first non-abusive home that this woman has ever encountered in her life. So non-abusive, right, safe, holistic healing. But then we also address, we seek to address the spiritual issues, the, maybe the, even the educational issues, the occupational issues that might have led her to become an easy target for these traffickers. And what happened that made you think to yourself, we need to go buy some property, we need some homes? Yes, um, we, we were doing the front end, the outreach part of it, and we were kind of, we were, you know, maybe 700 to 2,000 women a year we would reach in the sex trade with a rescue number. Um, but last, you know, those numbers of the women exiting the sex trade kept increasing, and we go, oh, darn, <laughs> we, we have to have way more bed space. So last year alone, 77 women exited through the Rescue Houston hotline. That's the, the hotline number that we pass out. Um, so 77 women exited, but there's only eight beds available in the entire city for adult women for long-term care. And these, all these women, they need long-term care. So. And that's when it was, okay, we need to, we, we can't. need some property. Yeah. Show the pictures of, of Kendleton Farms. Would you walk us through this, Michael? Sure. So this on 84 acres, it's a beautiful campus, has 10 buildings. This is just a, a picture of, you know, one of the, the behind the, the homes. This is a, a, one of our barns. There's two barns on there. Um, there's five single family residences. This is one of them that has been renovated. We had to renovate all five. This is a new kitchen that was installed. They're uh, actually working on the floors this week. And then this is a picture of one of the rooms that was just recently refurbished. Another one of the rooms. 
um, what the kitchen space is. So really, there's there's five homes. Each home has at least three, sometimes six, up to six bedrooms that women can stay in. Um, it's just a beautiful, serene, therapeutic environment. This is not a very pretty picture, but this is um, a picture of some AC units going in. And that is because you guys were so generous last time we, we came. Um, and now what that means is we installed the ACs, but now we can utilize three or four bedrooms on that level. So that's just a major boost. Yeah. yeah. That cool? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And the last time she was here, uh, we raised $51,000 to give to them to yeah. upgrade the housing so that it would be ready to accept women. So give yourself a round yes. of applause for that. It's pretty special. <laughs> pretty special. If they wanted to be involved in the ministry, um, tell them about that monthly event. Sure. So Elijah Rising um, can deploy, train. We do outreach every single, almost every single Friday night. Um, once a month, we have it up here in Spring Woodland, so you can go to the places that are located near you in your neighborhood. Hold on a second. <laughs> Did you guys catch that? You can go on tours and minister to women in our neighborhood. One of the hottest spots in the entire greater Houston area is in the Spring Woodlands area. Isn't that scary? Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I'm a Spring Woodlands girl. Like, yeah. So I grew up here, so it is yeah. not okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? I was like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, so we were able to launch that in January, so we're very excited. Um, but basically how it works is you come to this location. We do prayer. We do worship because we know that this is a spiritual issue first and foremost. Then we train you, we send you out with a leader, we deploy you, and you take that rescue number. That rescue number is gold. You reach a woman in the sex industry, and it's literally as easy as, hi, my name is Micah. I, I, if you know of anybody who wants to get out of the life, here's a number you can call anytime. And it can be as simple as that, the end. Um, and you have, you, you have just made, by doing that, you've just made an inroad into her life. The, the women who are in the sex industry, they see the buyers, they see their pimps, and they see the other women in the trade, and that's it. They don't see anybody else. They don't have normal lives. They don't have friendships. They don't get to talk to their moms, right? So you just encountered her and gave her a chance, and we've had women who called the number that night, and then we've had women who called two years later, but the same opportunity is given. So Unreal. So my wife and I went out with uh, her and her husband, David, a couple weeks ago, and we said, how can we help? And uh, she started sharing this massive assignment that they have uh, to stop sex trafficking. I mean, and they are at the tip of the spear, right? And she said, you know, there's only six of us on staff. Um, we'd love to have a bigger staff. We just don't have the payroll to support it. And I said, all right, well, let us try to help there. And so this is our plan. Um, we want everyone here to give $10 a month to Elijah Rising. Now, some of you are already given $10 a month to Bogota or to Guatemala, and so we don't want you to stop doing that because we're trying to reach orphans in those areas as well. Mm -hmm. But we want you to either, um, uh, we want you to do either both or just stay where you are, and if you can't afford to do both, then, then don't do both, but don't, don't leave Bogota. But for those of you that can't mm -hmm. afford $10 a month, um, get on your Celebration Church app and go to Elijah Rising within the app and select them and select $10 a month. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to do it right now. Okay, so reach into your purse. Go ahead, reach into your purse, grab your cell phone and do it right now because if you say, I'm going to do it this afternoon, you're going to do what I'm going to do this afternoon. We're going to go home. We're going to put some pajamas on. We're going to find a t-shirt with a <laughs> hole in it. We're going to lay on the couch and we're going to fall asleep and take a nap, right? <laughs> um, so if you don't do it right now, you won't do it. So what you do is you go to uh, give within the app. And then after you select $10, you put $10 in there. Now, if you can do more than $10, by all means, you know, it's a, it's a worthy cause. But select $10 and then, um, and then you'll be able to select uh, the frequency. Um, also, maybe in addition to that, or, um, or if you want to do something else, 
out there on the table, they have a wish list of items that they need for Kendleton Farms. And you can look at that wish list and say, hey, I can take care of that for you, or I can take care of that for you. And whatever you buy on that table uh, is going to go towards their ministry as well. Micah, thank you for coming. Thank you I for appreciate it. Me. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. You know, um, my, my greatest desire as far as Celebration Church is concerned is not so much that people would experience God when they come here. My greatest desire is that they would experience God when they interact with you. That's my greatest desire. Because the church is not a building. The church is uh, our people. And so when you're living your life, you're at school, you're at work, you're uh, talking to a neighbor, the desire is that, that they experience God while they're talking to you. Now, that may seem, you know, everyone's like, yeah, that's what I want. But how that actually happens, it just feels like it's just too big. This is how it happens. And it's so normal. It's, it's so, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, it's not relaxed, but it is relaxed. Um, Anyway, what is it? Natural. Yeah, natural. Yeah, that, that'll work. It's so natural. This is what you do. You share your most recent testimony. Now, a testimony is just a story with you in it. So if you go to court and someone gives a testimony, it's just a story with them in it. You share an experience that you've had with God with that person. Maybe it sounds something like this. I was at church last weekend and blah, 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 blah. Or I was reading and blah, 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 blah. I was in the car and blah, 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 blah. You share an experience that you had with God that made you excited. When you share that experience, that passion, I don't know how it happens. It's, it's just like it's supernatural. It transfers your passion, your excitement, ignites a passion and an excitement inside of them. And that all of a sudden creates a moment, and you'll know what to do. But all you have to do is just share a testimony, a moment. Uh, let me illustrate it for you. Um, uh, David Gamboa, Micah's husband, uh, come on up here um, and tell them um, what happened recently that kind of goes along the same theme as what I've just talked about. Right, so Saturday, Sunday, my wife and I are here for Randy Clark, mind-blowing. Raise your hand if you were here last weekend. Okay, so we all experienced the same thing. So Monday and Tuesday, my wife and I go to a prayer retreat for West Houston and Katy area pastors. So there's about 30 lead pastors in this in this prayer meeting. And I just get up and I share the testimony. I was, I was like, I was at Celebration Church, saw 150 people get healed. Everybody's on fire, believing God to do incredible things. And everybody in that prayer meeting begins to just weep and begins to pray for revival to break out in their church and in the city. And it was so funny because we go back to our cabin and the walls are like paper thin. And so I can overhear their conversations. And he says, man, we've never had an opening session like that before. Wow. <laughs> so that was Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Thursday, we have staff prayer at Elijah Rising. And so we began to pray, Lord, we're sorry for putting you in a box Give us opportunities. Give us the gift of word of knowledge so that we can reach people with your power. And Friday, we get a call uh, from a young man, and he lives in Los Angeles, California, and he's been trapped in the porn industry. He Googled uh, help for, for people that are in pornography, and he found our website, called us. He said, hey, I don't even know why I'm calling you guys. My body is riddled with diseases. Every night, I suffer panic and anxiety attacks. I don't know what I'm reaching you out to you for, but can you help me? <laughs> and so one of our coworkers began to pray with this young man, and she got a word of knowledge for him, and she shared that with him, and he instantly began to weep. And there, we caught this on video because this is the beginning of a testimony. Uh, so I'm filming with the camera, and this guy keeps going on and on for about three minutes about how speechless he is and about how he was had no idea how this person knew everything about what he was thinking and the way he was feeling. And so, praise God for that. And then Saturday, I was able to speak at a men's breakfast at a Baptist church. And I just got up, and I did the same thing. I shared the same testimony. I was at Celebration Church, saw 150 people got healed, and, you know, my faith has been increased, and I'm believing God to do more things in my life. 
And as I began to, to share that testimony, people began to weep. And at the end of that, a guy came up to me and said, David, I don't know why I'm crying, but the Lord brought up this one instance when my older brother, he would take me to these massage parlors and I would wait in the car for him. And I said, I feel like you're called to write a blog, so I'm going to give you my email. I would love to get your testimony so that we can post it on our blog site. He began to cry some more, and he said, David, the Lord's been telling me I need to write a book, and this was confirmation for me. So God is doing amazing things by the power of testimony. That is so good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Let me hang on to that for a minute. You know, for those of you that are like, what, what's a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge is when you, you have this thought, and it's, it's very faint, and you, you think that there's somebody that uh, needs to be healed in that particular area, or and maybe it's not a healing, it's part of their story, and you just happen to know it. Um, and uh, sometimes it feels like you, but it's really God. But it takes, no one bats a thousand. In the first service... Uh, I stepped out. I thought I had a word of knowledge. And I said, does anyone here have a pain in this particular area? And nobody raised their hand. So that means it wasn't from God. It was from me, and I missed it. So what? On to the next service. On to the next moment. The next thought I have like that, I'm going to step out again. And sometimes I hit it, and sometimes I don't. We have to create a culture of humility where we don't try to build ourselves up as God. We're his child. And, and when we hear him, we step out. And if we think we hear him, we still step out. And if we miss it, we miss it. But you'll never have a word of knowledge if you don't try. Um, but you have to share your testimony. You say, well, it's not that extravagant. Share what you got. If the only testimony you have happened 10 years ago, share that one. Um, Alex, you, you, you come on down here. I want you to, to share your testimony. Uh, he's our sound engineer, so if all of a sudden our, sh our sound starts going wonky, um, it's why. Um, I actually, um, he's in my life group. And uh, David shared a moment where he was standing in front of a group of pastors. He may have had a mic in his hand. I don't know. But this moment, um, he shared a story in our life group. There was only like 12 or 14 of us. And when he told this story, our whole life group got fired up. Um, go ahead and share this story. Come on up here and, and share it. This was uh, Saturday night. <clears throat> I've been dealing with trigger finger. I don't know if you guys know what trigger finger is. It's tendonitis in my fingers. Early in the morning, I wake up. I would wake up, not anymore, with my finger stuck every morning and every night. During the day, I was okay. So Saturday night, my finger was like this. It was at the end of the service. I was the last one in here. I'm usually the one that leaves last. I didn't even know Pastor Frankie was here. I was about to turn off the speakers, and Pastor Frankie's coming out of his office. So he wants to shake my hand, and I'm like, yeah, my finger's stuck. So I'm like, he's like, what's wrong? I was like, well, my finger's stuck. You know, I've been dealing with this for the last 10 years. In the mornings and night, that's pretty much every day. You know, for me, it's normal. So I'm like, can I pray for you? I was like, sure. So he prays for me. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And he goes, you feeling okay? I was like, well, same thing. He prays again, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Like, eh. The third time, he prays, and he pops. He goes, bop. I think John was here. He heard it pop. He goes, bop. I'm like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> so I could bend my fingers without popping or locking. And uh, <clears throat> the next day, I tell my wife, and I do this to my wife, look. It's like, I go, look. It's like, what? They're not getting stuck anymore. It's like, okay, go to church. So we really serve a God of the impossibilities. You know, what was impossible for me to do, what surgery couldn't do, God did it. And uh, <laughs> tell you one thing, Pastor Frankie. Ever since that happened, I know that God can do anything. 
anything. You know, I, I hugged Pastor Frankie. I cried. I didn't cry because um, I was feeling pain. I cried. It was tears of joy. And uh, thank you for being with my God, man. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you so much. So much. Yeah, you can keep that. I don't know where it goes. Um, my point is, share whatever testimony you have. If you've been through a divorce, share that. If you had an awesome worship experience this morning, share that. The minute you share it, it creates a moment where your passion goes into them. The excitement that you feel right now that happened when they both shared their testimony, that's the power of it. Um, and so you do that, and all of a sudden you'll see that God starts using you. And it, all it is is telling a story. Um, now, our prayer partners um, last Saturday night prayed for so many people, and so many people got healed. If there's anyone here that needs a healing, I want them to pray for you as well. Would you stand up on your feet?